We often wonder how to work more effectively with the Holy Ghost. We overthink the feelings we do get, and other times we wonder where the guiding feelings have gone. Today, we're taking the questions we have regarding the Holy Ghost to our day-to-day, discovering what it means to actually walk more closely with our constant spiritual companion. Hi, and welcome to Magnify. We are a podcast that helps keep general conference top of mind without adding to your to-do list. I'm your host, Katherine Davis, a mom, a seminary teacher, and a big football fan who loves God. And I am so excited to learn and be inspired with you. We know life is busy, and we are here to lighten the load by bringing you weekly spiritual reminders that will leave you feeling a little bit better than before. My guest today is Brooke Walker. She is a mom, a homebody, a lover of all things brightly colored, an experienced host of several television shows, and executive producer of Studio 5 at KSL-TV in Salt Lake City. Brooke, I'm so glad to have you here. Who wrote that? Because they know me really well. You guys, I'm the biggest homebody ever, and never has a word felt like more of a compliment. So yeah, that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Are you really a homebody? I am, if we're coming off of Christmas break to the core, to the core, that when I had my whole house stocked with food and everything I would need for a week and I just got to be in my house, I was at my highest high. I am the ultimate homebody. Did you cry a little last night? I I, did. I cried buckets. <laughs> the re-entry is so hard. And it's so not like you can hard. ever recreate what we had. It's a holiday bubble. No one expects anything of you because it's Christmas. I mean, I mean, let's be honest, people expect a lot of you, but in terms of like professional obligations, nothing is expected. And just to have your whole family home for two whole weeks, it was my most sacred celebration. The bubble was so sweet. Well, I am anxious to talk with you today because we are using as our text for this discussion, a recent general conference address by President Henry B. Irene titled Our Constant Companion. It offers some rich ideas from his own study and experience about being spiritually guided. And I love the direction that he gave that this was a letter written to his grandchildren and what he hoped they would know and understand. So for me, I went in with this idea of if this is for his grandchildren, this is dear to his heart. So I really want to understand what he wants us to know. Um, And your television experience offers an unexpected illustration for this topic of what it feels like for you to be led by the Holy Ghost. Can you give me like a little background on that? Mm, Well, I don't. I hadn't actually thought about it in in the context of my professional experience. But I will say I don't I don't take my job too seriously. We're making TV. It's not brain surgery. Right. But I and I and I don't I don't necessarily feel called to do what I do. Do. I'm called to be a wife and, and, and mother. That's a separate, separate conversation. But I do often feel inspired. And I think if you're bringing goodness or truth to a conversation where two or three are gathered, we're told um, in his name or, or in truth, I believe the spirit can accompany those situations and those moments. So under the pressure cooker of live TV, there's a lot of times where in the moment, spur of the moment, on my feet, I'm trying to channel goodness and channel truth in the form of questions or the interviews that I conduct. So in that way, I really rely on the instant nature of what I consider to be the Holy Ghost or what some people might consider to just be inspiration. Um, But I I rely on that in the moment guidance quite a bit. And so that was, 
sure, I guess a lens that I brought to this particular talk, but you're right. It was so personal and so tender. You start to realize how blessed we are to have, as his, the title of his talk communicates, this constant companion, this constant friend. And you felt that tenderness in his testimony as he shared it. Well, you said that this talk reminded you that the Holy Ghost will validate the here we go prayers. Yes. And I know this is something in your professional life. So what is a here we go prayer? And what does that mean? So President Irene talked and referenced the scripture story that we all know about Nephi going to get the plates of Laban. And and he referenced that scripture in First Nephi chapter 4, where it says, I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. And President Irene went on to say that Nephi's experience with the Holy Ghost has given him courage many times that when he's on the Lord's errand, minute by minute, he can rely on the promptings of the Holy Ghost. And that phrase you said, Catherine, the here we go does speak to both professional and personal experience that I have. I'm very comfortable with that phrase for a couple of reasons. So in live television, the moments leading up to go time, if you will, they're sort of fun. Like they're kind of dramatic. They bring, I think, the energy and the buildup that you would expect. There's this dramatic countdown and the room kind of falls silent. A hush falls over the crowd. The energy kind of builds and mounts. It's it's kind of like what you see portrayed in the movies that's actually true and actually happens. So you'll first hear the number 10 hollered out, like 10 seconds. And then that's usually followed down by a countdown. Five, four, three, two. You never really get to one. Instead, the phrase that you almost always hear is, here we go. Five, four, three, two, here we go. And you're live. And that phrase, as I said, has grown super comfortable to me over the years. It's even comforting because in that scenario, when you hear that, here we go, hollered out, it's not like you're going to go in willy-nilly, recklessly diving into some conversation or some presentation that you're unprepared to handle. Instead, that phrase, here we go, it sort of marks what? It marks like a launching point where your preparedness and your experience and your confidence, they all come together in this really cool way and they take flight. So at that moment, professionally, if I've done my job and that job includes research, it includes practice, it includes thoughtful preparation, then that line, here we go, three, two, here we go, that almost feels like a reassurance. And I'll give you a quick example. Um, More than, oh gosh, 10 years ago now, I was in a live television studio and we got word that popular speaker, author, and businessman Stephen Covey had passed away. And Stephen Covey was a man of great legacy. And his work, I mean, I see you reacting, Catherine, like his work meant something to our audience and it meant something um, to me as well. I've been motivated and inspired by his research and his words quite a bit over the years. So we, we learned he'd passed away during a commercial break. And ironically, I was getting ready to interview a relationship expert who had spent many years learning personally from Stephen Covey at his feet, if you will. And the guest had planned to talk about something totally unrelated. But in that two minute and 30 second commercial break, when we heard word, we swiftly decided to scrap our original plan, our original topic, our original direction, just in the moment and spend our television time instead talking about the valuable principles and life lessons that Stephen Covey had left behind. So just before that spur of the moment, not prepared for it conversation, I heard that phrase, here we go. And what was followed, I would say, was one of the most impactful interviews I'd done on live TV to date. So personally, though, here we go is a phrase that I say a lot to myself as, as well. If I'm in a situation or a conversation that requires an important reaction, um, 
the right words, if I'm if I want to communicate the right tone, even if I want to bring the right look on my face as I'm listening and someone te- is telling me something significant. I don't know if you can relate, but maybe it's a teenager coming to you with a really big question, or maybe it's a friend coming to you with a really big problem. My my palms can get sweaty, my mouth can get dry, and I kind of think to myself like, here we go. Here we go, right? As I try to open my mouth and hope that the right measure of the spirit kind of falls into the conversation. It's like a heavenly Hail Mary. And as President Irene spoke about the power and the blessings of the, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, I found myself thinking that if we are prepared, if we've done the work, those here you go prayers that I throw up all the time, again, heavily Hail Mary, here we go, Heavenly Father, help me say the right thing. Here we go, help me you know, provide context or inspiration or an answer to this person that I love who's in front of me and, and bearing their heart and spirit. Here we go. President Irene, in listening to his words and testimony, validated that prayer that the Holy Ghost will show up and validate those here we go moments because we have them all the time as women, as wives, as mothers. I feel like life is moving so fast. We have to constantly be on our toes, ready to go, ready to go. So when you humbly think, here we go, President Iring's testimony had me thinking that the spirit will then confidently say, here I come, here I come. And I think it's so interesting that the verse he shares is First Nephi 4, I was led by the spirit not knowing. Not right? knowing. Where, where one of the most famous verses that we all know is 1 Nephi 3, 7, which is, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. N- not knowing, right? Because so, I think it contrasts these two ideas that Nephi in, verse th- in chapter 3 is like, I know, so I will go. I'm right? confident I, I, I'm going to move. I've received this testimony. I understand that God will be with me. So now I'm going to go. And he goes and what happens? Like nothing works out. And I just like to sit in that moment for a minute with Nephi where he's like, wait, I was told to go and do this. And now I've lost all our treasure and all these things have happened. And he sits for a moment in that maybe not understanding and not knowing. And then we come to chapter four, which is like, I will go and then I will know. Mm-hmm. Right. Go and like, know. I was led by the spirit. So I will go and then I will know. And all that work, all that preparation beforehand, sometimes we have to act. Sometimes we have to move. And then the reassurance comes. And sometimes it's not a choice, right? Sometimes it's not a choice to move or act. Sometimes I think more often than not, you know, Nephi was displaying great courage and saying, I will go and then I will know. Sometimes you don't raise your hand to be put in that conversation with that teenager or to be the confident that your friend came to. Sometimes you don't volunteer for that. So just being nimble and ready. And like President Iring says, you know, channeling the courage of Nephi, as we say, I don't know, but here we go. The spirit will validate and show up and help us in those moments. He believes that. I believe that. What have you experienced that has led you to trusting in the spirit in those moments? Hey, I'm grateful for that question because I don't know that I could point to anything specific, but it does prompt this moment of reflection because as I'm describing, these moments are fast and furious and they're coming at us like waves of the ocean, right? Hitting us again and again. And it's not that they're all big, but I think and I hope that even in the little conversations, you know, the passing conversations as I'm sharing um, thoughts that hopefully translate to testimony or as I'm sharing, you know, with my loved ones experiences that hopefully translate to faith. You hope that the spirit is doing more with my feeble, humble efforts than it feels like I am. 
in those passing moments. But I, I'm going to think more about that question, Catherine, because I do think we could give honor and pay tribute to those little moments more often because they build and I think they end up being bigger than we ever think or bigger than they feel in the moment. I think so too. And I think sometimes we see that in this story of Nephi, especially because, you know, he's older. He's reflecting on some of these experiences. And I, I think that's such a powerful lesson that present Irene is trying to help us understand that trust that the spirit will influence us in those moments. Yes. And President Eyring said so beautifully that he wanted this message to be one of encouragement. In fact, he said over and over, I want, this is a personal message, like you said, that for my own family that I'm sharing with you, but he also used the word encouragement. And I took encouragement from his experience and his testimony that, you know, that little, it, the, the, the talk almost felt to me like a friendly, gentle little slug of the shoulder you've got this, you've got this, the spirit will be there, the Holy Ghost will show up for you, you've got this, here we go. And I'm going to think of that line that appropriately rhymes, you know, you don't have to know before you go. We should TM that, Catherine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's do. <laughs> um, which, honestly, Brooke, then that's what I want to ask you about. If you felt like that was a gentle nudge. So the next takeaway that you had was regular repentance will keep us sensitive and susceptible. How does talking about repentance feel like a gentle nudge for you and not like a hammer? That's a good question. As he talked about regular repentance, and we hear about this all the time, that repentance should be a regular thing, even a daily thing. And for the most part, not perfect here by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not struggling with active daily sin, at least not how we most commonly think of and define sin. But President Eyring said this, we each think and say and do things in our daily lives that can offend the spirit. And I'll add ultimately dismiss the spirit or chase away the spirit. And there it was for me. I think it was the think and say part of that caution that actually caught me and has me pondering this idea of regular repentance with a renewed interest and not as heavy as a hand. So my thoughts, my words, controlling your actions almost seems easy when you compare it to those intangibles, like controlling those things, your thoughts, that takes true discipline. That takes more awareness. It takes more exactness. And it takes this sensitivity that we have to practice. So this, my mind thought of this as well. I have this really fantastic, glittery girlfriend. Her name's Natalie. And she has this flair for, as we say, the dramatics. And I think she would consider that a compliment. I'm trusting that she would. Um, and it's so fun to just listen to her talk. She could describe crossing the street and it would be the most entertaining conversation you've had in a week. She's just that type of spark. You get swept away in her animation and her storytelling. And one day I found myself totally entrenched and entranced in her telling me about this, this pain she had on the lower left side of her kidney. She was going into great detail about where it hurt, how she knew it was off. And I'm like listening, just totally enraptured with her description of her lower <laughs> left kidney. And I'm thinking, I don't even know where my kidney is. Like, I guess it's on the lower left, right? And I couldn't even tell you where it was if my life depended on it. And I'm pretty sure my life depends on it. But my point in saying this, she was going on and on. And I walked away thinking, laughing about it, first of all. Thank you, Nat. But also thinking how helpful it would be to actually be that in tune with your physical body. And on a deeper level, how helpful would it be to live in that level of alignment with the Spirit, with the Holy Ghost, to be that sensitive and in tune on the daily with what the Holy Ghost is is trying to tell you and, and how it's trying to help you. And so when we talk about regular repentance 
keeping us sensitive and keeping us susceptible, I do think we have to dig a little deeper as disciples and go beyond just our actions or our behavior, right? That categorical sin as we think about it and really drill down. President Irene challenges us on our thoughts, our mood. Those intangibles takes more awareness and more exactness, but it's that daily repentance of those type of patterns and behaviors and energies that I think will keep us in that susceptible, sensitive place to feel the spirit more regularly, just like Natalie felt her lower left kidney. And you're right, Brooke. I think to be in tune with our thoughts and understanding our thoughts takes way more work digging deeper as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because I can easily, I'm not going to go in and rob a store. I'm not going to go steal a candy bar or Diet Coke, but I might think a negative thought about somebody who's driving so slow in front of right. me. Right. We hear train your brain and sometimes yeah. we fall victim. I mean, even though we know our thoughts aren't always true or our thoughts don't define us, I think we all fall victim to those thoughts. Like what I think is what I am, what I feel is how it will be. And it does. It's interesting to attach that. That's kind of more of a worldly philosophy, kind of like a life coachy yeah. uh, path to take. But when you apply that to our, our goal to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it does put you in this place of refinement. Like how can I refine my thoughts? and my attitudes and my energies to be more in line with that of a disciple of Jesus Christ. So just thinking about if we want to take it away more from the coachy, but more of the spiritual, how does repentance help us train our brain? I think it's that daily repentance, right? It, it's it's falling to that place of humility, catching yourself in mm -hmm. moments of weakness. And we all, I think, know where our soft spots are. But I think it's those little moments that are, are are harmless, are otherwise seemingly harmless, but that if we catch ourselves and hold ourselves to a higher standard, and you can apply this to a number of different topics or different conversations or different mind traps, but we all have them. And if we can hold ourselves back and restrain ourselves, that to me is an act of repentance. That, that to me is saying, I'm catching myself in the daily flow and I'm going to say higher road. I'm going to say act as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that to me, as I, as I, as I ponder President Eyring's message, that challenge of daily repentance, I think, does fall in the nooks and crannies of those everyday conversations and those everyday thought patterns. That to me is how I want to start to look at repentance in the moment as I'm going, learning, growing, striving to be better. Active. How you were just describing active. that. It's like an active daily repentance. It's not just at the end of the day reflecting. It's just in those moments of, of change and detour. And I love that image a little bit more of active daily repentance. I don't think I've thought of it that way before. It's a good standard to think of and to hold ourselves to. Well, the next thing that stood out to you is that humility is required in order to have the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost. Why was that such a key point for you? This is kind of a spin out of that, that constant active repentance thought line. I think in order to be in that place of sensitivity and susceptibility that allows us to be open to the spirit, you absolutely have to be humble. And, and, and repentance will put us there, right? I mean, ultimately, what we're saying then is it's not our actions alone that grant us access to the Holy Ghost, but it's the atonement. In fact, President Irene said, if you feel the Holy Ghost in your life, give a prayer of gratitude that the atonement is working in your life. And I had never thought of the atonement and the Holy Ghost as that closely connected. 
But President Irene went on to say this, if you want to receive the companionship of the Holy Ghost, you must want it for the right reasons. Your purposes must be the Lord's purposes. If your motives are too selfish, you will find it difficult to receive and sense the promptings of the Spirit. The key for me, he said, and for you, me for you, it's cute how he said that, me for you, is to want what the Savior wants. Our motives need to be driven by the pure love of Christ, and our prayers need to be, all I want is what you want, thy will be done. And here's the thing, if we if we work this in reverse, I, I tried to approach it kind of from from the back gate. And I think of times in my life where I haven't felt the promptings of the Holy Ghost when I not only want them, but have asked for them, pleaded for them, and those promptings haven't come. I typically go to two places first. The first place I go to is that I believe part of the answer is our gift of agency and our gift of intellect. Like sometimes when I don't hear an answer from heaven, my automatic, maybe this is overconfidence at work, but my automatic thought is, well, God trusts me to make this choice. He trusts me. He gave me a brain. He gave me, right? I have that agency. He trusts me. I can do that. That's the first place I go. The second place I might go, and this is kind of more of the primary answer, is that if we if we don't feel motion from the Holy Ghost, it's a no, right? Didn't weren't you kind of taught that that if you feel stagnant or your brain is empty, it's kind of no, it's kind of no. But President Irene pushes us to this third place, which is, are you really asking and seeking what the Lord wants of you, not what you want? Like we bring so much to our requests. I think we bring desire, often good desire. We bring ego. We bring, you know, temporal worldly situations. We, we, we want comfort in, in our quest here, our earthly quest. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to try after, after thinking on this message and, and reflecting on President Iring's sweet testimony, I'm going to try to go to that place first. Like, could I humble myself and, and change my lens in a way that I'm more open to what God wants me to do in the situation or what God wants out of the situation. I've interviewed hundreds of experts over the years, parenting experts, relationship experts, marriage experts, and it still amazes me after all these years, no matter what topic we're talking about, how often it boils down to the phrase, it's not about you. Like if you're having a parenting struggle, guess what? First, you've got to realize it's not about you. If you're having a problem in your marriage, experts will say, first, you've got to realize, put yourself on a shelf for a minute as you try to consider the lens of your partner. It's not about you. And I could do that more often with the questions that I take to the Lord. I could I could practice this, this, this humility that President Irene teaches us has to be present in order for the Holy Ghost to activate and to work in our lives. Our motives, he says, need to be driven by the pure love of Christ. You have to want in the situation for yourself, what the Savior wants. So I'm going to try to jump to humility, default number three, a little bit sooner in those moments where the Holy Ghost isn't actively speaking or communicating to me and giving me the answers that I so humbly seek. Well, have you experienced that before where humility has played a role in your life in receiving the companionship of the Holy Ghost? I think so. I was reflecting way back, dusting off kind of the personal archives. And I remember a time in college, I was in my second year at BYU. And I remember going to a bishop, again, getting personal here, but I'll stay within appropriate boundaries, going to a bishop and saying, I don't feel the Holy Ghost. I don't feel the guidance of the Spirit. And bless this bishop, because of course, what we automatically start to do is kind of shake the trees of repentance. 
and there was no fruit to grab, so to speak. And I appreciate him for doing that, right? We went down, yeah. but is there any sin or transgression that we need to work through here? And there really wasn't in that moment. So it came back to that question. I'm not feeling, actively feeling the spirit in my life. And I wish I could go back and just thank him for it because he could have just patted me on the head and said, you're good and sent me out the door and attended to the long line of other people that had you know, big things to talk about. But he sat with me in that moment. And I remember over the course of a couple of weeks, he met with me a couple of times, which those those YSA bishops are so busy. So I'm so grateful he did. But he met with me a couple of times and kind of took me through the spiritual reset. And I don't remember for sure. It was so long ago, but I found myself thinking that's a time in your life when you are so self-centered, right? You're thinking, what should I major in? You know, who should I marry? All those big questions are in front of you. And a lot of that energy is focused on you. And so as I reflected back on the little practices and exercises that he he suggested I try to bring back and kind of reinvigorate the spirit in full force in my life, it kind of did lend itself to more of this outward focus, like not what do I want with my life right now, not how would I handle this situation now, what would feel comfortable to me, but really what does Heavenly Father Brooke want you to do or how does he want you to approach it? And that I think ultimately became this, if you will, a little reset, little charge that did allow me to fill the spirit again in full force in my life. And I'm so grateful to that bishop for taking me down that path. And I do think ultimately it was this 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 push towards humility. Like take yourself out of it when you can and really make your will in line with God's will. That's a that's a hard thing to do in this earthly experience sometimes. I think it's really hard. And I think that is the number one question I get every semester with seminary students and institute kids and in our YSA ward. I always get asked, I don't feel the spirit or how do I recognize the spirit? Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes there's a lot of self-doubt sure. when I'm not I'm not feeling the spirit and and everybody's like, I'm doing all the things. I'm going to the temple. I'm reading the yeah. scriptures, but I'm not feeling the spirit or am I just not recognizing the spirit? And I think it's important to understand that we can't force the spirit and maybe receiving revelation looks a little different than like the cosmic vending machine. I'll do this and I'll feel this. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like I just think we all have to understand that the spirit, the spirit can be our constant companion and it is. And sometimes I think we put a lot of pressure in the forcing of the Holy Ghost and, and sometimes I think we just get used to feeling the Holy Ghost. And that when we say we're we're not, we are, we're living in it. We, it's all around us. And maybe we should start noticing when the Holy Ghost is not there. And maybe that's where humility and repentance comes in. Yeah. We've been having these conversations with my oldest daughter, Emmy, who was baptized this summer, right? And she was insanely curious, as many eight-year-olds are, how this Holy Ghost things work. And I'm really grateful that it wasn't a one and done conversation to her credit. She's bringing it up a lot. Like I I would bring it up, but she's naturally asking questions. And on one particular tender drive to school, she asked me point blank, mom, how do you feel the Holy Ghost? This is an eight-year-old serving this up. And I'm pretty sure I'd already told her, but like in this moment, this was her hungry and asking for it. And I found myself thinking, I love that challenge, Catherine, to look for the moments he's not there. But I also, one thing I found myself telling her, my sweet eight-year-old, was that I I try to be aware of moments that I feel and when I didn't know that I would, like surprise moments where, because for me, you know, as I described it, it's like goosebumps from the inside out is how I described it to Emmy in eight-year-old terms. And when those goosebumps from the inside out 
hit me in moments that I otherwise wouldn't feel it, that is a sit up and pay attention moment, right? Because we're told, and, and I'm sure you tell your students this as well, that you've got to learn how you feel it, how it comes to you, how it speaks to you. That's a lifelong quest. I don't care how old you are. I think you're still always learning and trying yeah. to learn that language and, and find that place of awareness. But when it hits me in those unexpected moments, I try to stop and mentally take that picture and remember what it felt like, what I was doing, what what I thought of that I wouldn't have otherwise thought of. I'm folding laundry and all of a sudden I'm thinking of my sweet young women. Or I'm washing dishes and all of a sudden I'm thinking about my neighbor who just received a cancer diagnosis. Those are the moments I think we have to pay attention, pay spiritual attention and lean into that message. So Brooke, if you were talking to Emmy and as you're trying to teach her, why do you think, why would you tell Emmy that it's important for her to understand and learn that language. Because there is no way we can do it without it. There's no way. And and President Eyring started his message by echoing, you know, the counsel of our sweet prophet, uh, President Nelson, who said it was a warning that in the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. Those are the words of a prophet, but I feel those words every day. The world is getting faster and noisier. We know this, we hear this, we feel this. And without that constant companion, that constant presence to help me translate, to help me keep up, to help me discern where I need to put my focus, my faith, and my energy, there's no way we could do it. There's no way. And I so appreciate you reminding us that sometimes we might get used to it. Sometimes we might take it for granted. We might not realize the full effect the Holy Ghost actually has in our lives. But to step back and consider the blessings that were promised will come from listening and following those promptings of the Spirit. Those are huge. Those are those are immeasurable blessings that will come, not just for us, but for the people that we love and serve. I think that's reason alone to just stop and pay attention, to be humble, to slip into those patterns of daily repentance, and to know that when we throw it up there and we say, here we go, Heavenly Father, I'm putting this conversation or this situation in your hands, that Holy Ghost will validate our efforts and expand and enhance our efforts in ways that we couldn't otherwise do on our own. You just said the blessings of the Holy Ghost. What blessings do you feel you have received from listening to the promptings of the Holy Ghost? The first thing that came to my mind is a blessing of priority. I think women are pulled in so many directions. I think the promptings of the Holy Ghost, the whisperings of the Holy Ghost, they keep me centered. It continually casts a bright light on my priorities. I think once those priorities are in place, a lot a lot falls into place from that point. And there is so much competing for our attention right now that if I'm listening to the Holy Ghost, I feel like that bright spotlight is constantly being shined and reshined on on the priorities that are most important to me and that I was sent here to focus on. Well, Brooke, as we wrap up, what would be your small and simple challenge for us to be able to receive some of those promised blessings of the companionship of the Holy Ghost? Mm. I'll pull from a challenge present Irene shared in this talk, which was that practice of daily repentance. Again, redefine sin as, as we commonly think of it, less about action, more about thought, more about energy. But I think going through a day, maybe you just pick one day and say, this is going to be my, my practice day, but how can I constantly repent and realign? repent and realign throughout this day, I have to think, and I hope it will become sort of like a muscle that the more we work, the more naturally we're able to exert it. But let's pick a practice day and try to go through this period of, of daily repentance as it affects our thoughts and our words 
and see how that might open us up and, and allow us to be more sensitive and susceptible to the Holy Ghost. Such a good challenge. And to, to think of it as an active repentance instead of just waiting at the end of the day. Like what will change when we're pivoting in the moment? In the moment. I'm sorry. In the moment. I can do better. In the moment. I'm not going to say that. In the moment. I'm not going to think that. In the moment. On the go. It would be a curious exercise. I'm going to try it myself. I want to hear how your day goes. And honestly, me too, because I'm going to try that. So let's share. I think there is such power in sharing those experiences. And I would be specifically curious to know if anyone has had a recent here we go moment, a here we go prayer that you have kind of tossed out there and, you know, true to promise the Holy Ghost has shown up, helped you, strengthened your words, enhanced your words. I'd love to see if we could share some of those here we go moments and see what energy or what collective courage we we gather from other people's experiences in that way.